Excuse me. But they were terrified. <laughs> I've been there. Jesus standing there saying, It's all right, son. Me shaking in my shoes. Uh, have you ever experienced Him telling you, Peace be still, and you just be terrified? And if that wasn't enough, and affrightened, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. I mean, they thought they'd seen a ghost. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your heart? Bad to hang around somebody who can read what you think. Especially if it's your wife. Look at verse 39. Behold, now notice what he said. My hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me, touch me, and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me how. Notice this. When he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. Jesus did not come from the dead showing them His character, telling them of angelic beings that He had seen, nor that He had been to heaven. But He comes back showing them His wounds. He shows His hands and His feet. Now, I want to talk to you this morning on the subject God won't waste my wound. And God will use the wounded part of your life to glorify Himself. Now, Father, take a feeble effort at best. Dear Lord, a feeble effort at best. And fill us with the power of God. Lord, I can do a heap by myself. I, 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 I can. I can... I can travel alone, and I've done it. I can, I can fish by myself, and I can ride a bike by myself, but I can walk by myself. But this is the one place I stand, and I can't stand by myself. And I know what it's like to try. And I would beg you this morning, wash me thoroughly from any iniquity. And cleanse me in my heart and bless these dear people that this preacher loves. And I pray you'll help us all for Jesus' sake to understand our wounds better this morning. In Christ's name, amen. You can be seated. There was an article in the paper the other day that Brother Brent Carr gave me. And it was an article about a little girl. And the caption reads, Girl can feel no pain. She was born with a nervous system that felt nothing anywhere. She didn't have any, any nerve endings in her fingers. She had no nerve endings in her feet. If she touched something hot, it would just fry her arm. She did not have any ability to feel pain. Her mother was questioned in the article. And this is what her mother said. She said, without pain in this child's life, it is the most discouraging thing we've ever undergone. She said this. She said, the little girl can put her hand on the hot 
plate, or she can be in an outing and stick a clothes hanger with a marshmallow on it, and she can stick it all the way in the fire. If we don't watch her, she'll burn her fingernails off at the ends of her fingers. She feels no pain. Therefore, her body suffers because there's no feeling whatsoever. Born this way, never felt. Number two, the mother said, we always have to watch her. She can't play around other children because they'll hurt her. And we have to watch her continuously. It's a 24-7 situation because if she gets away from us, she could, her life could be taken from her just like that. And she'd never even know she'd die until she was any time. Then the third thing she said about it, she said, I'm a mother. And this was it right here. She said, I'm a mother that never has her child to cry to her to help her out of her problem. She said, I cannot ever remember my baby crying, especially for me to help her out of her pain. Now, we are people that don't like scars and we're people that don't like wounds and we don't like hurt and we don't like heartache. But the truth of the matter is, it's an installed mechanism in humanity that causes us to cry out to God. And it causes us to know what not to touch. And it causes us to know that we must be careful or we could be hurt by somebody else unless we knew how painful it could be. I want to this morning, if I can, guide you to the Word of God with this proposition. Every child of God in here, listen close now, can benefit from their wounds. Whatever's got you broken and whatever's got you burdened and whatever's got you blistered, you can benefit. God intends for you to benefit from your wounds. You say, Preacher, how can I benefit? By understanding the characteristics of your wounds. I want to give you three of them. I'm going to give an invitation. I'm going to expect you to come because the Holy Ghost has not got us here to waste time. Quickly, look at the first characteristic of a wound. And uh, number one, wounds are permanent in their appearance. Wounds and scars, they heal, but they never leave. They heal, I'm going to say it again, but they never leave. If I was to ask you to raise your hand in here this morning and uh, ask you as a congregation, how many of you have a scar on your body? It doesn't hurt you. Uh, it, it doesn't even have any feeling. Maybe there was nerve damage in an operation or a bike ride or a hunting accident or whatever. But you ha don't raise your hand, but you have a scar on your body this morning. And it's 20 years old. It's 30 years old. It may be 40 or 50 years old. Or it may be a year old, but it's still there. It's permanent in its appearance. Jesus 
walked into the room in John uh, chapter number 20 and verse 25. He walks in. The other disciples therefore said unto him, That's Thomas. We've seen the Lord. (laughs) But he said unto them, Except I see his hands and the prints of the nails, and put my fingers into the prints of the nails, and thrust my hands into his side, I will not believe. Jesus walked through the wall in just a little while after that and said, Thomas, and I want you to see that he brought his wounds back from the grave. He brought his wounds back from the throne of God. He brought his wounds back in resurrection power. Why? Because they were permanent. And guess what? How many of you like that song, When We All Get to Heaven? Boy, I do. I like it. And I hope and pray everybody here goes. And I don't know what we're going to see in heaven in a mansion. I do not know what blueprint yours might look like. I do not know what golden streets look like. I do not know how to look and to describe uh, gates of pearl. I do not know anything about the twelve stones which make up the foundation. I do not know what a city 1,500 miles square might look like. I do not know what might be there, what angels might look at but like. But I know that when I see Him, He's going to be known by the Prince. The songwriter said, we shall know Him, we shall know Him by the nail prints in His hand. I want you to know they're permanent for a testimony. What did, what did old Thomas say? If he ain't got no nails in his hands, it ain't Jesus. If he ain't got no nails in his feet, he's not authentic. He's an imposter. Jesus said, I knew I should keep them. I knew they'd be permanent. And the reason they are is because I will authenticate death, burial, and resurrection. And when I come back and show you where I've been, the trademark or the testimony will be in my hands, not my mouth, in my feet. Not in my word. You know, Jesus could have spoke a word. He's God. He could have spoke a word and convinced uh, Simon Peter. He could have spoke a word and convinced the doubting Thomas. He could have spoke a word. Looks like what would have come out of his mouth would have been more uh, uh, valid and more reasonable. Oh, no! He didn't speak anything. He had a testimony in his body where he was wounded was where his testimony was. I want to tell you something this morning. Praise God. I don't know what your wound is. I don't know what your wound has caused. I don't know how you feel about your wound. I don't know what happened in your marriage. I don't know why you was fired. I don't know why you're here in college trying to struggle and trying to get over. Some of you made way more money than you're making now. You're living and skipping and just barely getting by and you feel like you've been wounded, you feel like you've been disposed of, you feel like you've been forgotten, you feel like you've been deposited down in Lodabar, but I come to tell you, hallelujah, your testimony is not in your excellence, it's in your wound.
Not only was the uh, prints in his hands and his feet a testimony, but they were a trophy. I was wounded, and I'm still alive. <laughs> they killed me, and y'all watched me die. They crucified me, and y'all watched me cry seven times, seven sayings. Y'all heard me say, Into thine hands I commend my spirit. You heard me, and then you heard me cry, It is finished! And he gave up the ghost. And the reason he gave it up was because ain't nobody big enough to take it away from him. He gave up the ghost. No man taketh my life from me. I lay it down freely. He gave up into thy hands. I commend my spirit. Death came along trying to take it. Death said to Jesus, you don't give it up. We can't take it. You've got to give it up because we're going to look stupid down here if you don't give it up. He gave up the spirit. And he died. <laughs> but... He didn't stay dead long enough for the newspapers to find out he was dead to put his name in the obituary. And he came out not preaching with great excellence and great speech and great power. He didn't come with eyes flaming of fire. He didn't come with hair blazing as thunder. He didn't come with great supremacy and great superiority. He came and said, Hey, boys, my testimony is I'm He. I am Him authenticated. You saw me. And not only that, son, I was dead, but I'm alive again. And you know what He was telling them? You are going to be treated just like I was. But don't you worry about it. You won't be laid in the grave long enough for them to find out you're dead because I promise you this on Resurrection Day, you will come forth. You might think your wound is going to keep you down, but your wound is going to be the thing that you testify about and that is a trophy in your life. Let me ask you a question. Has your wound about run you off from God? Has your wound about busted up your marriage? Has your wound taken over your life to the point that you're so grieved about being hurt that it's causing you a problem? I want to tell you, Jesus identifies that life lives beyond wounds. Number two, here is the second characteristic. Not only they are permanent in their appearance, they are painless in their activity. They're painless in their activity. Scars uh, don't hurt. Scars reveal. I, I had, a, I had a, a thought I was hoping. Yeah, here it is. Here it is. Thank you, Lord. Here it is. Scars only show you where pain was. And here's what the Spirit of God spoke to me this week. Scars don't feel. They heal. And tonight, today, I'd like to tell you, though you might have a scar where you were shot, a scar where you were cut, a scar where you were done wrong, a scar where you was abused, inside or out, scars are still real. But I come to tell you, praise God, let the devil know today, I might have some scars, sir. I might have some places you can tell pain was, but I'm living in the victory of the glory of God. Because I'm shouting 
gotten over a healing. Hurting will pass. Healing will be in the present. Your hurt's going to pass. There's somebody in here this morning that's crippled up emotionally. Somebody's in here this morning hurting because of a flaw. Somebody in here is hurting because of your own mistake. Somebody in here is hurting because of the mistake somebody imposed on you. Somebody in here today has got problems and you've got blisters on your soul and you're walking around feeling like you've been violated and you're hurt. I come to tell you something. Scars don't feel. They heal. All they do is let you know that a problem was there, but praise God in the lamp fell more. I'm glad it used to bother me, but I've gotten me some victory over my problem. <laughs> Hallelujah. I wish I could preach this like I feel it. I, I wish I could give it to you like I feel it. I want to move on to the third thing because I can look at most of you and tell you're a whole lot more hungry outside than you are inside. Look at number three. Look at number one. They're permanent in their appearance. Number two, they're painless in their activity. And then number three, they're powerful in their application. <laughs> powerful in their application. There's three things I want to give you real quick. I'm just going to be able, all I'm going to be able to do is walk through them. I'm going to give you three things that are powerful tools in the hand of God concerning your scars. Number one, uh, they give credibility to our speech. Scars give credibility to our message. Scars give authenticity to what we say. My wife and I have five children. We only got to raise three. I was out at the cemetery having a funeral the other day, and I went to my daddy's grave and stayed there a moment and went down to two little twin girls, Rhonda and Tanya. They would be in their late 20s now. They were Diane was pregnant with those two children when we left college, and they uh, were born in Augusta. Uh, and uh, we left college in May. They were born in June. I was tithing. I was living for God wide open. I, I was standing for the truth, preaching the gospel, helping her probably as straight as you could get. And it always bother you, it will, when you're the straightest and the crookedest comes along. A drunk walking across the street with a bottle of Jack Daniels in his hand, you expect him to get run over and get killed or die with cirrhosis of the liver or leave his family, but not in the ministry. Long story short, to the point... Both of them died in six days. Howling membrane disease. Then the doctor told me they were, she was sent into labor early because of pressure in the church where I was fasting. 
Old Dr. Bergamy, some of you have children, probably he delivered them. He's in eternity now. He looked at me, he said, Son, a church kills your children. He said, and I promise you, it was strain and stress in that woman's life that pushed those children here early. I want to announce today that it took me a long time, but God got me through it. We are preaching. We're talking about credibility. We were wounded. Wasn't long after this, I went on preaching and went on with a straight face and went on hiding my questions, went on acting like a Baptist. Making sure nobody saw me be real. And so, I'm in Sylvania, Georgia, preaching at the Bible Baptist Church. And I was good at preaching on forgiveness and sorry doing it. Great topic. Good information. Witty presentation. And holler inside. And I... Never will forget a woman. I was talking about forgiveness out of, out of Psalm 51. A woman stood up in the back on this side of the little old church and screamed and scared me. I stopped and couldn't get no words out. She screamed, warned of Evo's church. She screamed and came to the middle aisle and ran to the front and knelt down. It was about like that situation. That woman came in your place in that preacher's delight that night and was holding a grudge against a man for running over her baby. Man, what a meeting. And she fell out on the altar and the preacher went over and she screamed at him. I went over to her and I said, Ma'am, can I help you? She said, You don't know me. And she's squalling and screaming. And the preacher's wife came to Diane and said she... She had a little boy that got killed, died. And I don't know what we're going to do with her. She's lost her mind. It looks like Diane went over there and told me this after the service. I said, what happened? What did you do? She said, I talked to this lady. And I said, ma'am, it's going to be all right. She told me to shut up. I didn't know what I was talking about. And then she caught back and said, I've lost a baby and you don't even know how I feel. And Diane said, yes, I lost two. And I can talk to you about one. She melted in the floor and was taken into a back room. Her name was Diane. She's her age. They became friends and communed back and forth for a while. The pastor said she won't let nobody talk to her but somebody who was wounded. All you fellas, you want to be great preachers. You've got got the idea, I hate to stick this needle in this bubble, but you've got this ideology, boy, look at all these people. Ow! Go do this somewhere. And I hope you do. I do. I hope you know how I feel. I, I hope you get enough Baptists to run you to crazy avenues. I'm lonely. I need some company. 
But I'm going to tell you, everything we teach you here is elementary compared to what you're going to go through to preach it. You may have it all on paper, but until it flows out of the ends of your life and you see yourself experiencing what you're preaching, it ain't never going to matter. These people don't come here because I'm a great preacher. These people come here because they know I've been drawn through hell to get here. And they know about being drugged through hell. Sometimes you young fellows stand up in the pulpit and they don't get all excited about you. You know why they don't? Because they know you ain't been through nothing. Now you may have a three-point outline and holler and scream and y'all ought to, y'all ought to make them think you like them. I feel your, your loveless attitude sometimes. Now these boys get up here, y'all just holler and shout and let them enjoy this because they're going to graduate. And they're going to pass to your first cousin or your mom-in-law. Scars. Been there. Experienced it. They say credibility and validity. I've heard. Had a boy here one time years ago. He was a drug addict, and I tried to help him. He said, what did you ever take, preacher? I said, Advil. He said, did you ever snort any cocaine? I said, no, sir. <clears throat> tried to smoke a reefer one time and just like choked death. And God saved me when the drugs were just, just barely. During Vietnam, just barely. That's where that and Elvis is where it all started. <laughs> and I, I, I was saved on the brink of of being lost for eternity because I was in that crowd. He reached down His hand for me. When I could not come the way He was, He came and got me. <laughs> he said, have you ever snorted anything up your nose? I said, air. I said, a man was smoking a pipe at Kroger's the other night and I followed him around. Does that count? Carried it back. I can't help it. To get to heaven, find out it was all right. We fighting. <laughs> and he said, "How are you going to help me?" And I said, "Son, I'm going to pray." He said, "That's great. I will too, and I'm happy." And but I'm dying inside. And old boy was coming to church here. He was in everything. I said, "Would you talk to so and so?" He said, yeah. That boy throwed that on him. He said, what have you got that you can tell me? He throwed his arms up and had tracks all over him. And then he pulled his britches legs up, Steve, and he said, I shot in my knees and my ankles and behind my legs so nobody could know it. He said, I shot so many places. If I was leaking, it would look like a sprinkler. That boy just sat down in the chair and said, what did you do? And he told him, and he helped. Number two, look look quickly. Uh, it gives cleansing to our soul. Has anybody ever asked you, what happened to your arm? Chris, here's an illustration I didn't think of. Chris 
when he was a little old boy, fell off a lawnmower. Him and Richard had a ride in a lawnmower with him. That bell shit down. He fell off a lawnmower. His arm went under it and broke it. It was hanging off. He come. He was just this high. He come running in the house. I, Steve and I put wallpaper up in the office in there. He come running in there, and Richard was bringing him, and his arm was dangling by the skin. Pulled him in the car, and we ran to the hospital and got it fixed. He was three or maybe a four. We was at Ming Yat last, two years ago. We were sitting at the table, and me and Chris eating. He had a short-sleeved shirt on, and I looked over there and saw that scar. And he started talking to me about it. He started telling me and reminiscing, and we got talking. And I had said something to him when he broke his arm. Like a brainless daddy would, I told him when he came in there, it made me mad. I said, I ought to take your good arm, pull it off, and beat you to death with it. Get in the car! I can tell there's a daddy or two here this morning. And I never said anything else about that for 25 years. And that day, he started talking about that scar. And I told him I was sorry. And he said, Daddy, that ain't nothing. That's old. That's done. I said, it's something to me. Your scar has cleansed my soul. Sometimes you'll look at where you used to be, where you got cut. A dog bit me one time. I got a scar in my knee. And for years, every time a dog barked, my knee wanted to go on vacation. <laughs> a scar will let you talk about what happened. A scar lets you converse with your spirit, and it'll cleanse your soul. If you can't talk about a scar, it still hurts. It didn't bother Chris because he didn't let it hurt him. Now it don't bother me to tell you about it. But it hadn't always been that way. The last one we quit. They give commitment to our service. You know, <laughs> I've got a, I've got a scar on my ankle where I was riding on a bicycle when I was about four. And it was one of them bicycles that didn't have no seat on the back. It had a, a fender, and you'd get on the, on the bicycle, hold on to the person in front of you, sit on the fender, and your feet just dangle. And mine went going down a hill. My foot went in the wheel and locked it up and just cut into the bone right on top of my ankle. Every time I wash my feet, I say, I ain't never riding on another bicycle on the back. You see, a scar will keep you from doing something stupid again. A scar will make you... I remember when I set out on that heater. Woo! And... When you look at in the mirror at your high end, it'll make you want to put some clothes on and keep you away every time you get around a heater. Whoa. See, you are committed to doing right. 
<laughs> because you done felt doing wrong. It'll keep you from drinking. Because when you got drunk, you lost your children. It'll keep you from speeding. Because when you had that wreck and that vehicular homicide wound was laid on you, it taught you, I won't do it again. Let me ask you something about your wound. Would you this morning come and thank God for the wounds that you have and let God... I'm talking about talk to Him about them. I'm talking about get on this altar and say, Lord, that divorce was bad and it was a scar. Let me, let me give you this and I quit. Talking about they're powerful. The Lord's good to me this morning. They're powerful in their application. That last one, that... That last one under that causes us to run to our service. A friend of mine was preaching in a family conference at Gatlinburg. I was there with Faith Baptist Church in Shelby doing one of those conferences, and he was across town. I called him, and he said, we had a great testimony. I said, what was it? He said, I taught on forgiveness, the greatest problem in recovery. Forgiveness, getting over things that's been done to you. He said when he was a young man, he and his wife, the, the girl that he married, she got pregnant. They had a baby, and she came out of the hospital with that child, filed for divorce, and she, he never seen the baby again. She ran. He said the only time he saw the child was through that glass, never got to touch it. He said, I was eat up with envy. He was at that conference where they were teaching, really at Pigeon Forge. We were at Gatlinburg. He said that after he had taught that lesson, that afternoon, the man came to him and said, I tried to deal with the bitter hate that's keeping me from my God. He said, today, in your lesson, I sat down, bowed my head as hard as it was, and I said, God, take this feeling and this frustration I have for this woman and take it out of me in Jesus' name. The boy was 18 years old. He went back to his motel room and laid down. He said, I got to sleep and the, and the telephone rang. And he said, it was one of my family members at home and said that he was to call a number. He didn't even know the number. He called the number. This is four hours or three after he prayed. It was his ex-wife. He had, he had not heard a word. She said, your son wants to meet you. And whether or not you will, I don't know. But I told him I'd call you and set up a meeting with him. He said he left that family conference and went and established a relationship with his son basically because he got over his wound. Your wound can work for you if you'll let it. Holy Spirit, thank you.
for all You've done for us this morning. Take, I pray, O God, the words of this feeble 